0: So I wanna pick right up and get started because we got a lot to cover today. And so I wanna encourage you just to focus in and lean in and, and, and just learn as we continue in this series, Loving Logic. Now, this series is a actual cultural apologetic in the light of progressive Christianity. And uh, we've been talking about it each week, and, and we believe that pr- progressive Christianity is not true Christianity, and there's a lot of deception in it. And so, what we've done is we actually have taken 10 statements from Philip Gully's book called "If the Church Were Christian," and we don't actually agree with these statements, by the way. But we've taken these these statements, and we're actually breaking them down and, and, and giving our thought on it. And uh, the reason we're using these statements is because they're infiltrating our culture, but more importantly, they're infiltrating the church. You know what I'm talking about. And so our key scripture for this series is found out of Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. It says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. So we see this epistle being written to the church, the called out ones, because evidently, not only then, but now, people are taken captive through deceit. They're taken captive through empty philosophy. And so our job is to equip ourselves to be anchored in the truth of God's word. And we're going to see that as we continue. Now, our goal in this series is to be informed and equipped to hold fast to and to declare biblical truth in a loving and a logical way way. Now, my personality is kind of intense. And so sometimes when I'm talking, it might not seem very loving. And, and so, but it is. <laughs> I love you guys. Let me say that before we get started, right? I love you guys. And, and, and so we're, we're, to, we're to do that. We're to declare biblical truth in a loving and a logical way. And so we're doing this series so that we're equipped and that we understand what's going on. And so what I want to do is pray right now that God would help us. So Father, we thank you for today. God, we thank you for week number four in loving logic. God, I pray that you would open our eyes to truth today and help us understand in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So today's the logic of truth, and that word truth is a really big word and it's been argued upon and uh, there's been murder around it for century after century after century from the beginning of all time, and we know it's not different today, it's just repackaged for the day. You know, Pastor George has been, been sharing with us, it's really there's nothing new under the sun, but things are repackaged and delivered to us in a, in a different delivery method, and so that's why we're talking about it. And so the two progressive Christianity statements that are made that we're gonna tackle today is this. Number one, gracious behavior is more important than right belief. And then number two, inviting questions is more valuable than supplying answers. Now, you know, if you've been watching this series that we've been saying some of these statements sound, well, yeah, that sounds, yeah, I, that's right. I, I, I agree with that. But, there, but there's more to the story. And so that's what we're going to try to do is, is give a little bit more to the story, Now, these two particular statements have been said by many different people in the sense of taking this this ideology, this philosophy, if you would, because these statements hold with it philosophy and ways of living, and they've used it in all kind of different arenas. And a lot of times, people who have had very bad experiences in what we call the church, with pastors, with leaders, it's really turned their hearts sour, and uh, they, 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 they find this and they lean on this, and they're hurt people. That's just one class of people, and we don't deny that. We don't deny that, and, and, but this is what Peter says to us, the church. He says that we are to give a reason for our faith, but we're to do it with gentleness and respect. Now, we know all people have not received gentleness, And respect. You might have had a little problem with gentleness and respect getting those kids ready for church this morning and getting here. Come on, somebody. (laughs) But this happens and and whatnot. But we're to love this logic and we're to love people. And, And I think that when we love people and understand the truth, God can do something great. And so let's talk about it. So these progressive Christian statements lead people to only receive grace or let me put it this way, acceptable behavior that I agree with. So a lot of people, you know, they package the word grace. By the way, just so you know, words have a lot of different meanings in a lot of different contexts. But in this context, they package the word grace as so your acceptable behavior, then I'm gonna call that grace, if it's acceptable to me. And by the way, there's a lot of different behaviors that are not acceptable to me, right? And so I'm not sure if it's grace anymore. And this is the the mindset. But the Bible is clear that grace and truth are both important and not just grace. As a matter of fact, Jesus actually embodies grace and truth. He is grace and he is truth. We're going to talk more about Jesus here as we continue on. But just what comes to, think about this, grace and truth and acceptable behavior and the way you say things and all of that. Uh, Think about this. Just because someone says something ungraciously doesn't mean it's not true. Think about that real quick. It's true, right? Just like when someone says something graciously doesn't mean it's true either, You know how it is as a preacher. If I put the beautiful piano behind me and I started saying things real soft, maybe even whispering. Say, that guy knows what he's talking about. (laughs) And then if I'm yelling real loud, sometimes people think, well, he really knows what he's talking about. But none of that's true, right? It's just what we do as people. But Really, you know, each week when we're looking at these statements, we realize that the greater goal of this philosophy, the greater goal of this ideology is an attack against the the traditional doctrines of the church that we hold fast to. Now, Pastor Jordan's been using the illustration of a Jenga piece and that there are certain Jenga pieces that if you remove the whole thing comes falling down, it collapses. And like he said last week, well, what's even the point of us being here? And this is one of those Jenga pieces, by the way. And so these two statements actually are t- attacking and undermining the doctrine of the authority of the Bible. That's really where they're heading. That's the main objective. And so when you look at it like that, you have to say, okay, let's take a look at this really closely. Now, whether or not the Bible is true, relevant, and authoritative is one of the biggest conflicts with progression Christianity and traditional Christianity. Meaning, man, is this thing even relevant anymore? Yet that was for those guys back then, but maybe not for us right now. As a matter of fact, there's a pretty uh, bold statement that one of these guys make on their Instagram, and so let's look at that real quick. The Bible is no more divinely inspired than you or me. It's an anthology of people's experiences of the divine and the world. Sure, let's glean truth and wisdom from the scriptures, but the issue is when the author's perspective are elevated to disprove the validity of our own. Wow. Now, this is ultimate deception, and if you study the history of man, you'll see that you've, they've experienced this century after century. Well, there's an apologetic expert who talks a little bit about progressive Christianity, Elisa Childers, and let's read this uh, commentary that she wrote. She said, progressive Christians view the Bible as a record of what people believed about God in the times and places in which they lived rather than the inspired and authoritative word of God. It's not uncommon for a progressive Christian to express disagreement with a biblical writer or to reject the passages they find unhelpful. In fact, progressive leader Richard Rohr encourages Christians to ignore, deny, and even openly oppose scriptures that are imperialistic, punitive, exclusionary, or tribal— This matters because if we give ourselves permission to deny or ignore the scriptures that don't fit into our preconceived ideas about who God is and how he acts in the world, we will have effectively transferred transferred the authority for the truth from the Bible to our own thoughts, feelings, and preferences. That is the epitome, by the way, of self-deception. And you say, hey, well, that's not me. You know, hey, look, I, I believe it. Well, it's a subtle thing that begins to start in the minds of people. And, and, and I will say this because we do have a lot of different people out here. We have some people who's not even on social media. And, and we have people who are, who are older and we have people that are younger. If you're not being exposed to this ideology through social media or other people, guess what? You're a human, and you can self-deceive yourself sitting in that rocking chair in your house by yourself. Come on, somebody. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It can happen. I don't know about this progressive thing. Well, look in the mirror and think about your thoughts all the time. I'm just, a little side note, little side note there. So, so, the bit, the, so if we ignore or deny the scriptures, we are only left to human reasoning. That's what we're left with, we're left to human reasoning, and that always leads to a bigger question. Reasoning, philosophy, the existence of the world, the existence of man, who God is, human reasoning, it always keeps leading to bigger, bigger questions, and ultimately it leads to that question about truth. And uh, we see this even in the Bible in the Old Testament, people questioning this thing about reality and what is true and what's going on here. And we see this in John chapter 18 and verse 37 with Pontius Pilate when Jesus was brought before him. And let's pick up right here in, in verse 37. It says, Jesus said, I have come into the world, he's talking to Pontius, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. But Pilate said to him, what is truth? Now, Pilate was a very educated man. He understood the philosophies of the day. So this wasn't an ignorant guy. And uh, he, he, he studied a lot of different literature. And that question has been asked many, many times. And so here's Jesus right before him. And he says, what is truth? And some of you might be asking that same question. Some of you watching online right now. Some of you have been wrestling with that question for quite some time, which is really, what is truth? What is truth? What do I actually believe about truth? Why, why do I even believe there is a God? What, what is this thing called the Bible? Is it even true? And then some of you have been in church for quite some time and, 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 and maybe even in church over the years, you've now found yourself in, in, in a valley where you're questioning everything, right? Where, where, where there's pain in your life, there's suffering in your life, there's tragedy in your life. And, and all the things you thought you believed, then all of a sudden you're re-questioning those things again because you're, you're, you're having trials that were unexpected and tragedy that was unexpected. And in those moments, all of a sudden, truth is, is encountered and uh, it comes against. And, and so we, we have to find out where we are Some of you are young and you're just now starting to ask those questions. And and maybe you're raised in church or maybe you heard a lot of people talk about this, but you say, I've gotta find out truth for myself. And so everybody eventually asks that question, what is truth? What is truth? You know, the Hebrew word for truth actually means uh, firmness. or or truth is reality or actuality or or duration or or something that's everlasting and, and, and can be relied upon. And that's what we all want ultimately, right? We all want something that we rely upon and that we know is true and that we know is stable and that it's just like automatic, right? It's just make it easy, God. Give me truth, I know it forever and it's automatic. It's kind of like the chair you're sitting in now. I don't think any of you have thought that it was gonna fall apart when you sat down or you would have been, you know, checking it. You just sat down. You, you knew it was true. You knew it was stable and you knew it was there to hold you up when you needed it. But consequently, consequently to all of that, there's claims that truth is very rigid by progressive Christianity, very restrictive, and some even say that the scriptures are abusive and that, that people prioritize gracious behavior. They say in gracious behavior, an inquisitive thought way over truth because truth, now, gracious behavior is what we want. Inquisitive thought of discovery is what we're looking for. And that sounds great. Let's go on a journey together. Let's love one another and figure this thing out as this thing unfolds. That was good for then, but not for now. Let's let's see what we can drum up within ourselves. And that's what happens. And, and 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 if we play this out completely, where would that lead? Think about it. Whatever's truth to you is truth to you, and whatever's truth to me is truth to me, and we'll figure it out, and that's ever changing, and, and we're on a journey of discovery. Where is that gonna lead? You know, we try to give some practical illustrations there. Think about a board game. You know, think about like Monopoly or something. And there's rules in in that game. There's a set of rules that determines how you play that game and and what makes you actually win in the game. That's what makes it a game, right? However, some people don't like the way losing makes them feel. How many of you have been at that card table with some of your friends and there's that one person when he starts to lose, especially if you're playing with your wife and your, and your couples. You ever, been, you ever been there? You're at the card table. The guy, I'm gonna I'm put this one on the guy, ladies. The guy's real serious. He's real determined, pretty insecure. And the wife's just there because she's relational and she's secure and she's having a good time. He's thinking, man, I gotta win this game. I gotta hold this thing up. And she's like, whoa, this is great. He's like, it's your play, baby. You know what I mean? He starts blushing, you know what I mean? He's giving his wife the look. She's starting to feel weird. Anybody know that guy? <laughs> and look, that's what people do, right? But the game wouldn't really exist anymore if we did that. It, wouldn't even be, it would be nothing. It would be nothing if, if we were sitting there playing Monopoly. I, yep, you get the picture. You get the picture. So according to the two statements... They're saying rules should be changed to make people feel good, even at the expense of logic. Wow. Can everyone live by their own set of rules and arrive at the same destination? Well, Some would differ. I'm not sure what that destination is. They probably, It's multiple destinations. People have always tried to change the rules, everybody. Come on. We do that as kids, I yeah. Right, when we grow, grow up, it's like, hey, how can, we, how, how can we break the rules? They've been doing it for ages, and we see that even in the scriptures in Judges chapter 21, verse 25. It says, in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. No rule, no truth. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Lawlessness, chaos. Anarchy, I love Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12, it says there is a way that seems right to a man and its end leads to death. That's what I said, you, you could be at the house, never exposed to this, but the flesh and the mind left to itself thinks there's a way that's right, but in the end, it leads to death, deception. And it happens and so we need rules for, for, for order, and the truth is the same way. We need truth for stability, right? We, we, we need truth to solidify our faith. And so the, the, the next big question after what is truth is actually is it concrete truth or is it fluid truth? Is it absolute or can it be changed? Is it objective Or is it subjective truth? Is it? That's the big issue in our society around objective truth and subjective truth. And that's that's what's happening here. We've got objective truth, which is based on real facts and not influenced by personal beliefs or feelings. Basically, truth comes from without. You ever heard the old saying, your feelings are lying to you? We hear that, but all of a sudden it begins to, our feelings begin to dictate what is true and what is right, believe it or not, slowly. And then there's subjective truth, which is influenced by or based on personal beliefs or feelings rather than based on facts. Subjective truth. Here's an example, does gravity exist? Subjective or objective? If you think it's subjective, I haven't seen anybody do it yet, but you can stand on the stage and go ahead and fall off and let's see if it happens or not. I think you're going to fall off. And that's kind of how truth is. But to the progressive Christian, everything is subjective. Everything can be changed. Everything can be manipulated. And new things can continually be discovered. That's what happens. It's subtle and it, and it creeps in And it's attacking the authority of the Bible. Remember, this is attacking the doctrine of the authority of the Scripture. And we see this playing out in our culture. Everyone is seeking to live by their own set of rules or their own truth, right? And therefore, now we live in a culture where everyone's way of living is right in their own eyes. And that's going to be, that's the way it's going to be in the world. It always has been, it always will be. But the problem is it's infiltrating now the church, It's infiltrating Christianity. It's infiltrating the tenets of our faith and the doctrines that we hold fast to. And uh, we believe that we were actually never meant to live by our own truth. Thank God. (laughs) I know I can say that for myself. Thank God. But it still begs to, to, to ask the question, where does truth come from? What is truth? Where does it come from? Is it concrete? Is it fluid? Is it subjective or is it objective? Where does it come from? Well, we believe the source of truth is God. That's what we believe. We believe the source of truth is God. Now, today, we're not gonna be discussing does God exist and does an intelligent designer exist, but we did do a series a few years back called What Do You Believe? And uh, if you're interested in that, I'd highly encourage you to go back and look at that and and, and take take a look at it. So we believe God's truth is clearly expressed in his written word, the Bible, that we read today. And so God's word is the rule or the authority in the Christian's life, and essentially, it's the authority of the word of God. So Christians, we believe the Bible is the word of God, but have you actually ever wondered if the Bible is actually the word of God, even as a Christian? Have you actually ever wondered that? I've talked to a few people and some said, no, I've never wondered that. Others say, absolutely. I begin to wonder, is this actually God's words or is this just man, right? Pretty common question that people struggle with. Is this actually the word of God? Now, that's the same seed that progressive Christians are putting out today in these cool little sayings. But basically they're, undermining and underestimating that this is actually the word of God. Is this really God? Did God really say that? Doesn't that sound familiar to you? For anybody who studied their Bible, you go back in the beginning, Adam and Eve in the garden of Eden there, all of a sudden the serpent began to ask them, did God really say that? Immediately attacking the authority and the word of God but Christianity hinges on the Bible being God's word. It's a major jingle piece. If you take the Bible out of the picture, then again, this is pointless. Uh, We like what a modern theologian by the name of Wayne Grudem, here's what he said. The authority of the scripture means that all the words in the scripture are God's words in such a way that to disbelieve or disobey any word of the scripture is to disbelieve or disobey God. Sounds like a pretty tough statement. But that's what we believe. We believe the word is God-breathed and it is God's word. But how do we know the Bible is actually God's word? How do we accredit it as God's word if you would? Well, the Bible contains the words of Jesus in the gospels. Now we believe Jesus is God and and, and if they contain the words of Jesus who is God, then we believe the Bible contains the authority of God. Now that's a big deal. So So whatever, if Jesus is accrediting it as God's word, we believe it because we believe in the person of Jesus that he is God in the form of flesh, that's our faith. And since we believe Jesus is God and his words are authoritative, then we must also believe everything Jesus says about the word of God. So if we believe that in Jesus, then we also have to believe everything he says about the word of God. And this is why we spoke about the importance of Jesus being deity in week number two, because we believe that Jesus is God. And so because of that, whatever he says about the word of God, we accredit it as God's word. Go back to week number two, and we talk about the deity of Christ. And we see it right here in John chapter one, verses one, it says in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth talking about Jesus. And so the authority of the Bible rests squarely upon the authority of Jesus Christ himself. And that's what we believe. And that's why we lean into the word of God. But was it just the words written in red? Come on, somebody. Jesus spoke about the authorities of the Old Testament as well. It's Not just the words in red, it's also Jesus. He accredits the Old Testament that the Old Testament is actually God's word. Jesus views the Old Testament scriptures as the holy word of God when he was here on the earth. We see it in Luke chapter 24, verse 25, and he said to them, Jesus, he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. He went back to the Old Testament and began to disclose that they point to him and that he was accrediting them as God's word. One reason why we do that. Also, we know that the gospels are the word of God because the words of life of, uh, of life of Jesus was written in there. And then if we know that the gospels are the word of God because they are recording the life of Jesus in there, then we also know that, they, that the apostles are accredited by Jesus. The words of the apostles wrote in the New Testament are founded on the authority of Jesus. That's how we like to say it. And so we're we're just building a case of why we believe the Bible, the entirety of the 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 closed canon of scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. So the words the apostles wrote in the New Testament are founded on the authority of Jesus in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, who the apostles, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples. Basically, go in my authority. So Jesus gives his authority to his disciples, the apostles. They then take the truth of Jesus and write God-inspired letters to the church that we still have to this day that we can receive the same truth as those who were hearing and reading it back then receive. We believe that Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. Now let's look at 2 Peter chapter 3. Verse 15, it says and count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given to him. As he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters, there are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. Here it is. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so there's destructive thoughts out there and people are being carried away, and and, and there's a massive exodus of the church. There's a massive exodus against the tenets of our faith, traditional Christianity that we've leaned upon year after year, generation after generation. And we believe that all scripture is God-inspired and God-breathed, and it's good for doctrine, and it's good for reproof, and it's good for encouragement, and it's good for correction, and it is what we look upon and we anchor ourselves in as the body of Christ. You know, as, as, a, as a Christian and even as a pastor, I have to re-anchor myself in what I believe is true and what I believe is right, and, and, and the scriptures is all that I have and it's all that I need, and that's all that you need. We believe the Bible is is the authoritative word of God and therefore it's reliable truth for our lives. And I think as people, whether we're being bombarded by progressive Christianity, right, or whether we're being bombarded through our own thoughts of destruction, whether we're deceiving ourselves, I think the word of God is able to rebalance us and re-anchor us into what is right, what is true, what is noble, what is trustworthy, so that we can live our life upon it. Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment? I wanna pray for you. There's some of you that's been wrestling with truth for quite some time. And truth is always under attack, but you in this very moment right now, you realize that Jesus is drawing you by his love and his kindness to himself, who is truth, who is grace. And so I wanna pray for you right now. If that's you watching online, the Holy Spirit reveals these things to you And so you just wanna submit to that truth right now. His name is Jesus. He is God. There's one mediator between God and man and it's the man Christ Jesus. That if we would confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that he is God and that he was raised from the dead and died a sacrificial death and paid a price that we couldn't pay we would be saved. And the Holy Spirit does this in the life of the seeker. He reveals this truth to you. And so Lord, we pray for every person right now that's been questioning that truth. Just pray like this, if that's you, just say, Lord, I submit to you, I submit to your truth. Lord, thank you for revealing yourself to me where otherwise I couldn't, Get it done in my own logic or in my own reasoning. Holy Spirit, come live inside of me and make me the person that you created me to be. Lead me and guide me into all truth. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.